Merritt Street, we're building a new morning show where our guiding principle is to always value your time. We'd love for you to join us. Be part of our community. Each morning will be packed full of news, information, advice, and a lot of fun. And we promise we'll never waste your time. I'm Dominique Soxa. I'm Fanchon Stinger. Join us for Morning on Merritt Street. 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Essential Television. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Secret Squad. This is the second episode of my Secret to Turning Your Dreams into a Reality series. As you know, this series is about getting to know the minds of some of the most interesting and successful businesswomen and men. I hope that after listening to these episodes, you'll be inspired to follow your dreams. Let's get into who I have with me today. I have Joy Cho, the founder and creative director of Oh Joy with me today. Oh Joy is a lifestyle brand and design studio that is known for whimsical, colorful, and unexpected twists on the everyday. This brand started as a personal blog and has now grown into a huge name for home decor, kids, and furniture collections. They even did a collaboration with Target. For two years in a row, Joy was named one of Time Magazine's 30 most influential people on the internet, and she currently has the most followed account on Pinterest. I have been so excited to meet you, Joy. You have so much to say about harnessing creativity, creating items that bring joy, and above all, seeing the fun in life. So give, Joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because there isn't anything more, I think, more fun and more just complete than to hear someone like you who is so successful and so dedicated to the very thing that you do, that's creating such fun, beautiful work. Tell us what inspired you to get started. So Ojoy will be 15 years old this year, which is crazy. 15. I mean, that's like a teenager. Yes. Um, I started my company back in 2005 and I had just left New York where I worked uh, for my a couple of jobs out of college. And I moved back to Philadelphia, where I'm from, because my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, was starting residency, mm-hmm. um, a five-year residency. We were ready to get engaged and get married and everything. And so I came back to Philadelphia with no job. Um, that's not necessarily a place I wanted to be in, but I was interviewing for design jobs as a graphic designer. And in the meantime, I had to make money to make ends meet. So I started freelancing as a graphic designer. I also started a blog. And in 2005, if you said the word blog, nobody knew what you were talking about. Yes, that's true. I remember thinking, is this like what Doogie Howser had like (laughs) back on his show where he was like typing his journal online? And depending on how old you are listening to this, you may or may not know what I'm talking about. But Doogie Howser was that show that was from my childhood and he would put his journal online on the computer at the end of the day. so funny. Can I just tell our listeners out there that you look 15 right now? (laughs) (laughs) So the fact that you remember Doogie Howser, I do, certainly I do, and I remember that show and you're right, that's a good description of how, maybe how blogs got started. However, when you said that, my thought went to Sarah Jessica Parker on Sex in the City. Remember how she yes. used to pretty much do the same thing? She was writing an article for a magazine, but yeah, that's that would be a good way of describing how blogs got started. It's a similar idea. It was basically an online journal. For me, I wasn't necessarily looking to do a personal diary and talk about 
all the little nitty gritty things I did, it was more visual. So I think that around that time, I said, listen, I know how to design things. I can make this online journal more visual than people are used to. And so I really started experimenting with how I shared information. It really became more of like an online sketchbook. Um, What ended up happening with it that I didn't expect is that it ended up being a marketing tool Uh for me to get design clients. So Uh Ojoy really started as a graphic design business. So what was your first product or what was your first design that you started with? Well, when I was first doing Ojoy, I was essentially a freelancer who other companies hired. So I did work for Urban Outfitters and Anthropology and a bunch of other small independent companies that you don't necessarily know their names, but I was helping them getting started with their logo and their packaging and their website. And so I was a boutique graphic design company Mm -hmm. and uh, social media wasn't really a thing. So I was doing that. I was writing for a bunch of design magazines and newspapers back in the day. There were newspapers that were much more relevant. And it was really a mix of just a lot of different creative things. And so really it took, I would say, that blog started getting read more and more in the next six months to a year that I realized that there was something there, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't my bread and butter. I still had to do other design work. But over the next several years as it grew, it started literally expanding. I was starting to get freelancers to help me write. I was starting to get paid to put advertising on this blog, on this website, which to me was so crazy that anybody would pay me any money to put an ad on there. And over time, it grew into its own thing. So by the time I had my my first daughter, who's now eight, um, she, I was ready to sort of I took a little break with the baby, but when I was ready to come back to work, I knew that I wanted to say goodbye to all of my design clients and focus on, oh, joy, my own brand, not anyone else's brand fully. Uh And we were ready to do that by that point. So basically from that point on, oh, joy really became more of a lifestyle brand where we do creative content on social media. And then we also partner with various brands to design products. So rather than manufacturing them, um, I partner with various companies, like as you mentioned, Target before. We've done suitcases. We've done Band-Aids. We've done kids' clothes. We've done so many different things with a bunch of different brands. And it's a way for me to design products and have these wonderful things, but I'm not necessarily manufacturing in every single yes. category. That sounds perfect because you get to do what you really want to do, what you're passionate about you get to use your creative side and you're not responsible solely on your own for running the company. You get to partner with other companies who also have that passion. Exactly. So it sounds like the perfect solution. And let me ask you this, up until the point of having your daughter or after, even after, were you working from home? So I worked from home for the first eight years of my business. Mm-hmm. When my oldest was around uh, one and a half, two, it got to be harder. Even mm-hmm. though I had childcare to help, at that age, they know that mommy's in there working, mm-hmm. and it's very hard for them to not mm-hmm. uh, want to come and say hi. They can come in and exactly. say They mommy. stick yeah. their little fingers on the door <laughs> and everything. Um, so also around this time, this is around 2000. My first was born in 2011. And so around 2013, Um, We also had gotten our first Target contract, which is a huge contract. And I knew I was doing everything myself at that point, designing everything, but I was getting ready to have to release 150, 200 products in that year. And I knew I couldn't do it alone. So that's the year I started hiring real employees, not just freelancers, real employees for the first time. 
Um, and so I got an administrative assistant. I got a designer to help me. I got a stylist to help me. And I got an office in Hollywood. Wow. And so that was sort of what I call Ojoy 2.0, where I left my home office, uh-huh. got a real legit office, started a team, and... From there, I think that we were really able to focus on growing even more in a different way because I had other people helping Uh me. uh Because it really does take a team. It takes more than just you when you realize my passion is something I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. And I'm going to not just be happy with staying put. I want it to grow. And you can't do that by yourself, can you? Yeah, and I, it really depends. I mean, I think growth, I've learned over the years that growth means a lot of things for a lot of different people. Sometimes growth is huge. It's going from one person to five to 100 to 300 and then selling your company. Uh-huh. And for me, it hasn't necessarily been that sort of uh, projection that I'm searching for. I want to be happy. I want to create product. I want to bring joy to people's lives. But my approach has been much more organic and much more slow because we're not funded. It's just all organic growth. Mm-hmm. And so it, from then on, I pretty much would add an employee here mm-hmm. and there as I could gradually and slowly. That's so... I love hearing stories just like your very own because it started with your passion, of course, started with your education, your focus, and you took it with baby steps, Mm -hmm. essentially. You didn't stop living your life, but you never forgot your passion and what you knew you needed. And of, of course, out of necessity, you needed to pay the bills. Absolutely. So you can never forget that. It's like, of course, I want to do what I enjoy but I also have to pay the bills. Yes. I love that. So when you moved out of the house and you got your first office, how did things change for you? Did your focus change? Did your goal change? Or did you continue to partner with others? I think that we continued to grow. We continued to partner with more brands, but it allowed us also a space um, to create more content. I mean, back then, creating content wasn't really a thing that people talked about. Now it's a very common with influencers and Instagrammers and all these social media people. But back then, we were really some of the early ones doing it. But it allowed us to have a space and a place. And as anybody who works from home knows, no matter what your job is, it will take over. Mm-hmm. And when you have a business where you need to take photos, where you need to make things, I mean, my house was just full of crap and not crap in a bad <laughs> way, but just stuff. And it's fine when you know it's your business, it's your livelihood, but it doesn't allow you a separation that having a physical space does. So for me, it was great because I could set standard working hours. I could go there, do my work, work with my team, leave at the hours that I've created and I've set, and then go home and be more present with my kids. And by the time, you know, now I have two, but being present with the kids and not feeling as distracted with, okay, in that room is Mm -hmm. all of my work on the Mm -hmm. other side of that Mm -hmm. door. Mm -hmm. So if there's one lesson to take away at this point for the listeners, and even for me, I've noticed, you have your priorities in order and you've never forgotten them. I think that's so important. I mean, as a business owner, as a woman, as a mother, and you know this too, Robin, Mm -hmm. in every phase of life and every time your life evolves, whether it is from going to not having kids to having kids, Mm -hmm. having a business to not having a business, whatever your relationship status is, new phases of life always require reprioritization of what's important to you. That's right. Before I had kids, there's so many things I focused on that now it's not even important to me. 
And then once you have children and you need to work that into your life, you also figure out what's important with work. Uh Do I need to do those 10 things or are these three things really the best? And so it's also about you cannot do every single thing in the world at the same time all at once by yourself. You need to ask for help. And whether that help is childcare, daycare, nanny, whether that help is at work, whether that help is having a real conversation with your partner to Mm -hmm. say, hey... These are the things that need to happen and I want your help mm-hmm. or even just letting your partner acknowledge like that they want to help and yeah. having those conversations. So There's true. so many parts of that that are really I, important. I so love that you just acknowledged that because I have to acknowledge that I went through a phase like that long ago. I'm 66 years old. So if anything, I have uh, experience to speak about. But I love that you just said that because I feel like a lot of women don't give themselves that break. They don't give themselves the opportunity or allow themselves to say, you know, I can't do it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had these dreams of being able to work and, and then get married and then have children and still everything be just like I wanted it to be. But you have to just realize, you got to give yourself a break and say, you know, there's no such thing as the perfect mother. Oh my God. There's no such thing as the perfect wife and the perfect businesswoman. There's no such thing. It's so true. I, there's just one pivotal moment I remember when after I had my second daughter, who's now five, oh. I was, with every kid, I had six months of just overwhelmingly mm-hmm. stress and crying and not understanding my new life yet. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home after work and crying in the kitchen to my husband just because I felt the pressure that I had to figure out dinner and I had to do all these things, but I had just come home from work and I was so exhausted. And he was like, why do you assume that you have to be responsible for this? Mm. And he was like, and I was like, I just feel like you want me to come home and I need to cook this meal from scratch and have all <laughs> this thing. And then you come home from work and it's all perfect. And he's like, if I... If I wanted to marry someone domestic, I wouldn't have married you. And <laughs> domestic 100% of the time. Yes. Well, and I'm not I mean, I'm not like I can do things. I can make things. I can I'm very able, but I am not that Betty Crocker typical <laughs> person, housewife, whatever. Um and so that's essentially what he was saying. He's like that's yeah. not you and that's yeah. not why I married yeah. you. He's like number 1 we don't have to always cook dinner. We can sometimes get takeout. We can sometimes heat up a Trader Joe's thing. Yeah, I can bowl some- of cereal. Exactly. <laughs> I can sometimes do stuff. Like he's like, it's not all on you. And and for him, that was so obvious uh-huh. because he, in his mind, it was always that way. But for me, you build up the story in your head mm-hmm. of what you think other people think you should be or how you should be and what they expect of you. And you tell yourself that. And that's like something that Brene Brown talks about, like the story I'm telling myself and it's so true. And we, especially as women, do that all the time. All the time. I totally agree. You can't do it all. Don't expect yourself to do it all and give yourself a break. So yeah, I love that your husband did that for you because sometimes we just assume anyone knows how we feel, but how can they if we don't tell them? Mm-hmm. Philip will always say that to me like, just so you know, you have to put the dots really close together for me so I understand exactly what you're thinking or how you're feeling. And don't assume that I always know. And I can remember him saying that to me early on in our marriage. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I've just always thought that you were just brilliant and the smartest man in the world. So I just assumed you knew how I was thinking. <laughs> and feeling. But there's no way anyone can ever know what you're thinking yes, and how exactly. you're feeling unless you tell them. 
let's go back to your blog. Um, how has your blog changed from that first day? It's so funny that if you look at the very first post in September 2005, I just talked about cats and lip balm and like the most random things. It was it was kind of that Doogie Howser-ish thing, but with visuals. And it was just nerdy and just random. It wasn't curated, it wasn't professionally photographed, it wasn't, I didn't have a copywriter. Um, now we have professional photos, we have a team helping with everything. Uh, more than one person is part of that process and it's evolved. I mean, it's definitely gotten more polished. And but regardless of that, there's still the backbone of it is uh-huh. joy. It really uh-huh. is. I mean, obviously it's my name, but also it's part of my brand. Mm-hmm. Where how can we bring people joy mm-hmm. in little ways? Whether it's through an idea we give them, through guides, through me sharing stories, through decorating ideas, mm-hmm. fashion tips. It's really just about that because I mean, let's be honest. There's so much going on in the world mm-hmm. that. If I can just give you a little bit of a moment of a break of uh-huh. joy to change things around, that's really what my goal is. I love that. And I also think that, that that little bit goes into your heart. It goes into your soul. If I can even help bring you confidence, I think confidence is such a big thing with yes. women. If if what I can do, if what I can teach you, if what I can empower you with, whether they're business tips or home de- decorating tips gives you more confidence, mm-hmm. that's only going to help you accomplish more of your own goals in your own life. I love that because when you just spoke of your very first vlog, it's still you. It's mm-hmm. still authentic to you and your passion and your mission to do exactly what you just said. Change someone's life in a big way, small way, help them with their confidence. You can stay authentic and you can stay passionate but then also change with the times mm-hmm. because, as you said, back when you started, I'm sure your phone didn't have a camera on it. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about your photographs and, and everything. And I love that you have also stayed current because that's so needed, really. Yeah, I think that um, one thing that has helped me a lot along the way, number one, I never thought I was going to start a company. I thought I was not going to – I didn't think I was going to have my own business. But then once I did and social media became a part of it and as social media grew and evolved and, you know, we're talking this is pre-Instagram, I just went with it. I just was like, okay, let's see what what this is going to be. Let's see where this is going to take us. And I didn't go with everything. You know, I didn't get on Vine. There are some things I never did and there are some things I tried and there are some things that stuck. And I Mm -hmm. was like, okay, let's Mm -hmm. keep going with it. And I think that that flexibility and that ability to just like take a little bit of a risk on trying these things has helped us evolve because if I could have said 15 years ago, okay, in five years from now I want this and 10 years from now I want this, they would have not matched up because Uh I wouldn't have predicted what would have come in five or 10 years that would have actually helped our brand in many ways. Who knew that Pinterest was going to become a thing? Who knew that we were going to have such a great presence on it? And so again, just going with the flow. And I think that's one thing that I'm not necessarily great at personally. Like I'm a very rigid, uh, non-flexible person. Like I'm very stubborn Uh and my husband will be the first person to tell you that. (laughs) But when it comes to business, I've been pretty good about going with the flow with that kind of stuff. See, you just went back to your statement about it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to bring on board those that do know something that maybe you don't know to help 
with your message. Mm-hmm. So you are willing to try everything or almost everything and then decide, is that me? Does that fit me? Does that fit my passion? So Pinterest was one that really worked for you. And for our listeners out there, you are the most followed account on Pinterest. Yes. Did you ever think that, okay, let's try Pinterest, that then it would turn out that you are the most followed account on Pinterest. That's amazing and beautiful. I did not think that. Um, I was one of the early users on Pinterest, and I got access to using it very early on. Um, So there was this like time period when it's almost like nobody knew about it. And it was a secret club mm-hmm. that it felt very special and secretive and all of this stuff. And then by the time the world found out about it, my my following had grown decently. Oh. But also I think that um, because I had a blog and I had social media content that tied into this new site called Pinterest, I was getting – People were just finding out about me very quickly, and I was getting written up in a lot of articles when tech articles were talking about Pinterest and who to follow and check out these accounts. Oh. And so it just grew very fast in that first couple years of like the, the Pinterest boom. Um, and it also was very cool because it allowed us a lot of new brand partnerships uh-huh. within that platform that I wouldn't have imagined would have been possible. Um, it really sort of opened up uh-huh. things in many ways. So what would you say is your probably the the number one topic or category on Pinterest for you? So it's so funny because even though Ojoy is fashion, home decor, mm-hmm. DIY, um, our home our home category is is pretty high and very well followed. Um, we have a baby category that's mm-hmm. very high and well followed. But then things like recipes and beauty are just two very big topics on Pinterest overall. Uh-huh. So those two boards are also very highly followed as well. So probably roughly in those categories, uh-huh. like those four or five that I just mentioned are yeah. our most popular ones. Yeah. I uh, I personally love decorating. I love fashion. And uh, and I love Pinterest. I'll, I should put that at the top of my list. But I love Pinterest. So when I go on there, uh, for example, uh, I love your Pinterest page. I love everything on there. I, it would be hard though to pick a favorite category on your page, but you're right. The and the baby page is just adorable, and I love all of that. <laughs> Thank you. It's crazy. I love it. And then I, I have to ask you this: I'm dying to know how you feel about the fact that you were named one of Time Magazine's 30 most influential people on the internet two years in a row. <sighs> I was like, did somebody make a mistake? (laughs) I mean, it was, I think that was like 2015, 2016, roughly. It was sort of like um, post-Pinterest boom and social media, like Instagram had started. And it was this kind of magical time of so many of the social media sites that I am actively on were like at a peak, really. And there's going to be ebbs and flows. And that's the thing with social media, there's ebbs and flows. So I really feel like it was this magical time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I would not have ever expected that. 
But for some reason, someone did some sort of calculation and they decided <laughs> on that. So it was amazing. I mean, so cool. My um, parents and my husband's parents are both immigrants, are all immigrants. His from Korea, mine from Thailand. And typically Asian parents are very, it's hard for them to, to know exactly what I do. My job is so confusing. <laughs> Even my friends don't really understand it. But I remember that magazine came out and we always send them to our parents just to be yes. like, hey, check oh, this yes. out. And my mother-in-law was literally just like holding it in front of her chest at her church, showing it off to her friends. I'm not even her kid. And my husband, who is a physician, had just gotten a promotion. And he was like, mom, I just got this promotion. And he's like, that, and she's like, that's great and all, but Joy is in Time Magazine. Oh, that's so wonderful. What? I just got a promotion too. What about me? It was. It's a story he loves to tell, oh, but it's just. I love that. It, I think if if not anything else, to make it. my mother in law uh, that excited, oh. um, and she wasn't necessarily like necessarily, uh, yeah, she, just to, just to make her that excited was very nice. That's adorable. I love that. I love that. <laughs> you know, my mother in law has passed and. God bless her. I loved her so much, and she loved me. And she used to say this one thing, and it just came to me when you were telling that story that she used to tell Philip all the time. I don't know, Philip. I have to tell you, anything ever happens here, I'm going with her. (laughs) (laughs) And so she would say something like that to him, too. And and I'm sure your husband loved it. Yes. Just as proud. Let's not forget, you're the mother of her grandchildren. Yeah, true. (laughs) That's, of course, he's the father as well. (laughs) I just love it, though, two years in a row. Out of, I mean, we're talking 30 people in the entire world, I guess. Two years in a row. Congratulations. Thank you. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. I'm going to stop for just a second because we do two things on every podcast. It's tradition. First of all, we have a drink of the day. Mm -hmm. And today's drink of the day is called the Empress Gin and Tonic. And it's just beautiful. And I thought you would like it. Rachel and Kristen and Tulu are in charge of creating our drink of the day. And they go out of their way to really have it reflect our topic and our guest. And... This one is, like I said, Empress Gin and Tonic. Two ounces of Empress 1908 gin, three ounces of tonic water, and one fresh grapefruit slice. Wow, it's beautiful. Thank you. It's beautiful. You combine the gin and tonic water over ice. Stir, add a fresh grapefruit slice, and enjoy. (laughs) Thank you. I chose this gin because of its beautiful blue-purple color. And the grapefruit slice really makes for a vibrant, fun cocktail. And all of our listeners can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and you can see the beautiful drink completely finished and put in the glass. And I think you all will enjoy it. So cheers. Cheers. So what are some of the things that really bring you joy? I think that 
On a business level, it really is the connection that I can make with other people. I have this job that feels so virtual. Um, even though I have a team and I interact with those people on a daily basis, the fans, the followers, our customers, our readers, they're all existing in this ether that I don't see them. And But to post an Instagram post or to get comments on our blog or – um, various ways that we can interact and you know that something that you did has affected somebody mm -hmm. in some way. Like, yes, there's the stuff we talked about earlier where it's joy and makes them happy and they love looking at it. But sometimes it's the stuff that's really more meaningful to me. I mean, I've had a lot of people write me about even things having to do with self-confidence and I, them feeling not confident in their own skin, but then they see me go and wear some like crazy outfit or I don't feel I you know there's certain things like I'm very simple with like my makeup and beauty and them feeling like oh like you don't have to always you know do up certain things or always have your hair like perfectly done like there's just certain things that I think that they connect with whatever makes sense for them mm -hmm. that makes them feel more empowered or hey I never wear color but now that I've seen you wear mm -hmm. it I'm gonna try and those are the things that to me make this job really fulfilling. Like I love selling, I love designing product. I love seeing people buy my product and yes, but it's it's beyond just mm -hmm. the superficial thing of just like buying something. Well, I have to say, I mentioned earlier, there's this authenticity about you that I believe translates into everything you do. And that's what they're seeing. That's what they're feeling. I want to describe to the listeners right now, my first impression when you walked in, it was just beautiful and angelic. Probably the second thing I noticed was your outfit. And I had to <laughs> mention it. And I was so happy when you told me about it. So please tell our listeners what you're wearing. Describe it and where you got it. Okay. So I'm wearing a dress that's older from um, one of my friends, Rachel Pally, has this amazing line in LA. And it's one of her dresses from a ton of years ago. But uh, Beautiful. It's gold and white. It's gold and white. Yes. Uh, like a dark yellow, white mm, graphic print. On top of it, I have this slightly sheen, uh, silky looking, yes. quilted, long jacket mm -hmm. um, that has beautiful detailing in the quilting and the stitching of mm -hmm. it. And I got it last month. What are we in February? I got it in January at the Rose Bowl Flea Market, which is the second Sunday of every month in Pasadena. It starts at 6 or 5 or 6 a.m. all the way to like 2 p.m. I usually go around 8.30. I take my two daughters. Oh. It's super fun for us. We go. I go for inspiration. I go to look at things. I love old things and I love uh -huh. vintage things because I love that they have a story mm -hmm. and that there's something about them, that they existed in someone else's life and that if I can wear them in a way that feels current and modern mm -hmm. with my other clothes, I like love that because no one else has it. But – this coat, I had no idea what it was. I just knew I liked it. Uh, it was within the budget I allotted for myself to oh, really? spend that day. And so I got it and it fit me, which doesn't always happen because it's vintage, uh -huh. right? There's uh -huh. only one. You're so very I, petite. <laughs> You're very petite. And, Tori, and it fits you like it was made for it's, you. It's just one of those things. And when it fits you, you just know it's yes. meant to be. And so um, after I go to the Rose Bowl, I always share on my Instagram stories like what I got and or when I'm there and just things I see, whether I bought them or not. And then I always show what I actually bought. So I got a lot of feedback that day where people were saying it's a house coat. And a lot of people, a lot of my 
followers, readers are roughly between 20, uh, early 20s to mid 40s to 50s. Mm -hmm. So I'm 40, but the ones that are slightly younger than me were saying that their mom had this when they were growing up and had a house coat and it looks just like their mom's or their grandmom's uh -huh. or something like uh -huh. that. And so that's when I realized that it's a house coat that women used to wear back in the day, but at home, because it does have a blankety kind of it, it does. look it and does, feel to it. But I didn't think of house coat until you said it. And then I went, yes. Maybe when you're watching the sitcoms from the 50s. Yes. I love Lucy even probably yeah. was wearing something like this. Yes. Lucille Ball. It's beautiful. The sleeves bell out at the end. And you're right. It's quilted. It does look like a vintage house coat, but not today, does it? <laughs> it is so beautiful. And I can't believe you were lucky enough to find it. I know. that. Oh. Those, are the, those are the little joys uh -huh. for me. Little joys for sure. Because it's just, I, I love that it's. The store. I mean, I just want to know who wore it, who had it, where did where did she live, what did she do, how long did she have it for? So many unanswered yes. questions, yes. but I am curious about them. And she was your size exactly because it fits you beautifully, and it's pale pink. Did we tell the color? I don't oh, know. it's pale pink. Yes, pale pink. It's just beautiful. So, what days did you say this? It's the second Sunday of every month. Second Sunday. So it's this Sunday is the next one. Oh, I think I'm going to be there. Yeah, it's great. What other kind of things do you buy there? Um, I will get stuff from my house, or like mm -hmm. I'm right now. I'm in the process of building a house, um, which has been a very long process. But uh, when you're, if you're looking for really any furniture, whether it's vintage furniture, knickknacks, sculptures, art, rugs, so many things. They obviously have a ton of clothes. There's a one whole section about clothes. One whole section is a little bit more knickknacky things. Mm -hmm. And then like when I take my kids who are five and eight. They'll, they have vintage toys like from when I was a kid that they're selling for a dollar and two dollars. Oh. And so for me, I use it as an opportunity to talk about money and math uh -huh. and I make them pay for it and they only get $10 each. And then once that $10 is gone, they can't uh -huh. get any more. And so it teaches them to have to figure out like, okay, I'm going to, I want, I want this thing that's uh -huh. eight and I know I'm only have two left or do I want to hold out and uh -huh. see if I'm going to find something else. So do so, they do that? Do they shop the whole market and come back and keep in mind what they want? Or It's a mix. My older one is much more thoughtful and she will look and she might like something, but she's going to wait and see and then she'll come back. My little one is just like, I want it. I want it. <laughs> but then she's the one who gets to the point where she only has a dollar left and she wants something that's $3. And so we have to talk through that mm -hmm. and discuss how, well, you only have a dollar left. So... So you let either. me ask you this. Does her big sister kind of save some of her money because she knows she's going to have to or want to loan baby sister some? You know, we haven't gotten into that part yet because I've basically just both given them each a limitation of $10. Uh -huh. um, so there has not even been the question of loaning or giving away uh -huh. money. Uh -huh. um, but that's a great – we'll see. It'll probably happen <laughs> yeah. in one of these days. I think it's probably going to happen one day. Of course, they're pretty close in age too, right? Three years apart, yes. Yeah. Our boys were seven years apart. And I just – the minute you said that, I thought, oh, Jay would have for certain saved some of his money to give to his little brother. So nice. Like, I'm going to have to save some of this because I know he's going to need it. That's so much fun too. What a fun time for the three of you together yeah. to spend that time together. It's really fun. And they, I'm sure, get so excited when you find something for yourself, like this coat you're wearing. They sometimes 
are like bored by the clothing section because little kids don't really like right. shopping for clothes. But when they see things, whatever I get there is always going to be grand. I'm not going to go there and just buy a t-shirt. Uh-huh. So they're always like, oh, are you going to get it? And so I've been trying to, I'm reading this book about um, how to make your kid a money genius. And one of the tips that it says is if you're going to make a purchase that's a little bit bigger or not just your average grocery store thing is to talk through your kids about why you're making it and to explain to them why it's worth it for you. So I've been trying to do that too because wonderful. I'm not going to go spend $1,000 at the Rose Bowl, but I might spend $100 on Uh something. And $100 is not a small amount, and I want them to understand that that's not a small Mm -hmm. amount, but why I think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Have you noticed yet, and I know your youngest daughter is still young, but maybe in your first daughter, have you noticed if she's going to be like you as she gets older and maybe follow in your footsteps? Both of my girls are very into art and crafts and making stuff. And it's hard for me to know if that is just the way they would have been because they are who they are or if I have some influence. I'm sure I have some, but they also both always gravitated towards it too. Mm-hmm. So if you ask them right now what they want to be when they grow up, they both would probably say something creative. Mm-hmm. And then my husband will be like, nobody wants to be a doctor. And they're like, oh. no. And I'm like, oh, no, too much school. Yeah. <laughs> like, way too much school. <laughs> Trust me, girls. Too much school. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, but, you know, they're still so little that who knows. What kind of doctor is your husband? He is a, a pediatric spine surgeon for a charity Ooh, hospital. Wow. Um, Shriners, Los Angeles. And uh, so he does all spine surgeries for kids whose parents don't have the insurance oh, to pay for it. God bless him. Let's go back to you and this amazing career of yours. Do you have any regrets? Any of the decisions you've made or didn't make? Or You know, it's interesting. I think that there's a lot of things where... I can go back and say like, oh, maybe I should have done this or maybe I should have done that. You know, and a a couple examples, you know, there were times in which people were saying you should take investor, you should take investor money, grow your business. Like it could be so much bigger. Um, And it made me think, oh, should I have done that? Like would that have been? And then I realized that I've always followed my gut. Mm. And the reason I never went that direction was because I wanted to stay small for a reason. Mm-hmm. I not that not that I don't like money, not that right. I wouldn't want more right. money, but I also have a certain lifestyle and that I wanted to maintain that I felt I couldn't necessarily do if I took that approach. Mm-hmm. I also didn't necessarily see the vision of what that would mean. Um, and so even though things haven't been perfect, I mean, I've had lots of things go wrong. I've had certain clients and jobs that I thought were going to happen, not happen. You know, there's changes that um, I've made and changes I'm sure I will make that are hard changes and decisions to make. But I also think that we learn from everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like when you get into a fight with your partner Mm -hmm. and you said something that you shouldn't have, Mm -hmm. you wish you could take it back. Mm -hmm. But what it did is it caused a conversation Mm -hmm. between the two of you, even if it was an argument that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And maybe right. that is helping, going to help your relationship in some way. So I, I don't typically regret anything that's happened. I love that. And I'm sorry, really, that I even asked that question because 
I don't believe in living with regret. It really is the one decision I made when I became a mother. Of course, I believe I felt that way my entire life. And when I did have our first child, it was a true conversation I had with myself that I knew I was going to do the best I could to raise Mm. our son and that I refused to live with regret because it was something to me that's very powerful and I did not want it to be a part of who I am and I didn't want it to be a part of me as a mother. I just made that decision. I will not live with regret. I refuse to allow it to be a part of my life. So I love that. So let me ask you this. What are some of the moments since you've started your career that are your proudest moments? Oh, man. Getting a contract at Target for three years. Mm. That that is huge. Was huge. It's still one of my career highlights. And I, it was amazing. Um, And I'm still great friends with a lot of my Target colleagues from back in that time. I think for us, it was just that I always, that was always on my list. I'm going to get a line at Target. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people say that and a lot of people work to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when it happened, I just was like, it helped me realize like, listen, your dreams are never too big because it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy to say, I'm going to get a line at Target someday. Mm. But to be able to be in that moment where you're like, okay, holy crap, I have a line at Target. And one that extended and went for three years is just that. Magical. So for it, me, is, it is bucket list. Bucket list for sure. And so that I think I just try to remind people because who am I over anybody else really? Like I'm not famous. I'm not a celebrity. Me getting to Target is in a much different way than a lot of other people get in. And so it just goes to show you that like you can make things happen. Yeah. You cannot dream too big. I'll no, not at all. Yeah. Any other moments that you're just so proud of? Um, I think also, well, there's like little things. I think like when my kids started to better understand what I do. So here, I'll give you an example. I love that. Once I did have products in Target, not only the Target line, but I've had a four-year contract with Band-Aid and we had (gasps) Ojoy Band-Aids that were also sold at Target. So there's been different things. And so my for my kids to be able to see that and understand that and be like, oh, joy. And they recognize the name and they're like, oh, it's my mommy's thing. And oh, that's cool. But also recently my um, portrait was in the – it's currently still there at the <gasps> National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C. in the same room as Michelle Obama. Oh, my gosh. Bravo. Thank you. Bravo. So insane. Again, wow. you're just like, who made these decisions? Like, are they crazy? <laughs> um, and I so, love that. I love that for you. We went to my family and my husband's family are in Philly. So for Christmas, we were there and we took a little detour to D.C. to go see the portrait. And, you know, my kids don't, they see it and they're just like, okay, cool. Just your picture. But what was really cute was we came back and my oldest daughter was FaceTiming with her best friend. um, And her best friend, I guess, had known that we had gone to do that. And I heard them talking and she's like, are you proud of your mom? And and my, my oldest was like, yes. And like, it was just one of those moments. I was like, oh, I'm going to oh. cry. Because I never, you know, like you don't talk about that. I don't say to her, like, are you proud of me? Like, that's not a thing yeah. that you like yeah. tell your kids. Yeah. Um, just, so just to hear her, I know over, overhear her saying that was like yes. really sweet. 
because oh, that's beautiful. You feel guilty when you're working. You feel guilty when you're away. You feel guilty when your kids catch you checking your email on your phone yeah. or having to go on your computer for a minute and they want your attention. And so to know that they still see you working so hard and like knowing that there's something to be proud of uh -huh. in that is really great. Oh, I love that. And what a precious friend to ask her that question. That was so she cute. she gets it too. Yeah. I was very impressed with the whole conversation. Oh, congratulations. What else? Is there anything else you want to tell us? Because I love hearing this. Um, oh, well, just to say Michelle Obama again. <laughs> um, during the Obama's last year uh -huh. in the White House, there's this annual event, which you may have heard of, called the Easter Egg Roll that yes. they were having. Yes. And they, her office called me and they were like, will you design the branding for our final Easter egg roll? And uh, yes. And I was like, <laughs> which Michelle Obama? Like the real Michelle Obama? <laughs> and I, I mean, literally every time something like this happens, I'm like, this is not real. Like, are you, do you know who you're talking to? Did you really mean to call me? <laughs> yeah. And so I remember, I so I said oh. yes, oh. but they were like, it's Unfortunately, a very fast turnaround because normally we do it, but we really want to get someone else and Michelle like loves your work and da da da. And we need it like in two days. And I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. I'll do it. And of course. And then I got the flu. Oh my, no. One of my kids got the flu. So I'm literally and and I think we were trying to separate our kids because they share the same room. So I had one sleeping like on the floor in our bedroom that night. And I was like in the dark with my laptop, sick, she's sick, working on this logo oh, for Michelle Obama. <laughs> just, it was one of those moments where I was like, for any other client, exactly. I would have just been like, hey, I'm sick. Can't I can't do, do this. I, give find me a couple more days else. or give me or find someone else. <gasps> but for Michelle, I did it. Yes. And and um they're like, well, you'll get to come to the thing and you'll get to meet the president and first lady. I was like, okay. I'm there. <laughs> so you got it done. I got it done. It was great. The we power got to, of a woman. Yeah, seriously. I don't know how I did that. And then um, wow. that later that April, that Easter, we went and we got to meet them. And <gasps> we took this photo that I have printed on my wall yes. with my family photos. Yes, of course. Where it's just my family, but then I also have one with the Obamas. <laughs> yes, that of course. It's just going to stay there forever. Oh, um, congratulations. But it was again. great. It was it was really cool. I can't wait to see that work. We have two events that we do every podcast. And our second one is we play a game. So this game is called Word Association. I'm going to list off colors and patterns. We're each going to say the first thing that comes to our mind. This can be a mood, memory, emotion, anything. Okay, so I'll say the word right now and you can go first. Okay. Red. My least favorite color. <gasps> My favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite color. Okay, so why is it your least favorite? I don't know. I mean, I, it's your least favorite and that's just it. I think that... So growing up in an Asian family, red is traditionally a color of good luck. And so I've seen it mm -hmm. in things, mm -hmm. Lunar New Year's and blah, blah, blah. And it's just everywhere. Uh -huh. And it's just so it. in my face. And also, I was very shy as a kid and I didn't like attention. So to me, red is the color that you wear when you get attention, when you oh, want attention. Uh -huh. I don't feel that way anymore. And, and also, I, it's red when you blush. You turn it. Yes. Shade of red. Yes. <laughs> so I like it on other people. Uh -huh. 
I just don't like it on myself. And you know, when I said it's my favorite color, I don't really use it that much though. Hmm. I It is an accent color in my home. Okay. But it's not like everywhere. Um, and I wear it some, but I don't wear it that much. Okay. Is that funny? Yeah. Okay. So polka dots. An Ojoy classic pattern mm -hmm. forever. I love it. I love it. When I say polka dots, I look over at my sofa. <laughs> oh, yes. I like polka dots. I do too. I do. Okay, pink. I used to hate it. Now I love it. It's so funny because I've never liked pink. Never, ever liked pink until my granddaughter was born. Mm -hmm. And then you look around this room, you see pink everywhere. So it's it, it went from hate to love. I love pink. Same. It wasn't until my daughter was born that, that I started liking pink. Yep. Yeah. Okay, black. Always a classic. Yes. I, I really, really like black. To me, it's a, it shows strength. I like I just like black. Okay, plaid. J. Crew in the 90s. Yes, and plaid to me is too busy, especially pastel plaid I don't like. Mm. Yellow. Love it. Happy, sunshine. Mm -hmm. Doesn't always work on my skin, but I love it. Mm. I'm, I'm good with yellow. I would never, ever want yellow in my home. I've never really loved it for decorating. I don't wear a lot of yellow, but you're right. I like yellow. It, it does. Happy. Sunny. White. Blank slate, always a good base. Mm -hmm. I like white. I like to wear white, but not by itself. Stripes. Always a classic. I think that stripes will forever be one of the best pattern. I do too. Bold stripes especially, but I like stripes. Blue. Soothing. So many different options. I always love blue. Depends on the shade of blue for me, and it's Philip's favorite color. Mm. Green. Similar to blue, there's so many options with green, mm -hmm. from very pale to dark. And I actually have a, a bunch of different shades of green in my new house that we're working on. Mm -hmm. um, so I love it. I love green. Green, green. Love green. Gingham. Summer. I, I always think of gingham as like cool picnic mm -hmm. vibes mm -hmm. where I feel like in, when done on the right scale with a fun new combination, it feels it can feel fresh. Mm -hmm. When I say gingham, I think of children. Mm, I can see that. <laughs> and I don't even come up with a color in my mind. Is it but, like the pale blue and white one or the pale pink and white one? I, yes. There are these dresses back in the day that I'm picturing that are like little baby outfits that mm -hmm. are gingham white and pink mm -hmm. and gingham blue and And I just now white. remembered that when I was pregnant with Jordan, uh, he's 33, so back then they just had created ultrasounds. Mm. They were very foggy. And I was told he was a girl. And really our best friends, the gentleman was our doctor and he had a machine and they all wanted us to have a girl. And... Uh, one of the patterns in the nursery I created, it was mint, green, and peach, and I had gingham. Mm. Mint, green, gingham. That's what makes me think about yeah. that. That makes sense. Purple. Used to hate it. Now I love it. Yeah. I have lavender in this office, and I used to hate it. Now I love it. Yeah. Funny. Orange. Fun, but I never know what to do with orange. It's probably the one color that I never know what to do with, and... So I don't wear it. I don't put it in my home. I could go peach, but that's pretty much it. Orange is my second favorite color. I love bright orange. I love orange, orange. I love orange. And I also love the fact that 
we have orange trees growing in our yard. And oh. I love to bring in fresh oranges for decoration. I love that. Okay, Chevron. I think it's dated. What is Chevron? Chevron oh. is like this. It's like big oh, zigzags. Zigzag. It was very popular. Sometimes just one zigzag or just no, the whole repeating. Okay. It was very popular in the early 2000s. Um, I think that it still exists in a lot of home decor, but to me it feels a little bit dated. Okay. I totally get it and I totally agree with you. So overall, like you're building a home right now. The game is over. I have no more colors. I don't have any other colors to say. So one question though. You're building a home. Yes. Do you enjoy it? Process. Um, most of the time. Yes. We're almost done. It's been two, over two years. Oh, really? Because Los Angeles is very tricky. Yes. I enjoy it most of the time, but it's also highly stressful. It is. We, I've built one home. Okay. In Texas. So you know. And I don't think I'd ever built another one. But I had a lot of fun doing it because I actually was the builder. I put th- together the crew. Wow. And I, I drew the entire house out and researched, you know, and knew every detail I wanted. When we went to the architect, he's never seen anything so prepared. We had one redo, one drawing, mm-hmm. redraw, and it was ready to build. Wow. So it was a fun project. I'll tell you my secret because I'd hired the crew myself and such. I asked all of them each week, what's your favorite pie? <laughs> what's your favorite? I switched desserts. Yeah. I'd deliver pies on Friday. Oh my, every Friday? Every every Friday, sometimes every other, but if it wasn't pie, it was cake or cookies, homemade. And uh, it got them to show up mm. and it got them to be there through Friday because mm-hmm. they wanted those homemade pies and cakes and Yeah, cookies. wow. And then sometimes I'd show up with pizza for them That's at lunchtime great. on Friday. And I got that home built in nine months. Which is impressive. Yeah, that is. I mean, I wish you told me that multiple years ago. <laughs> Um, because that I had never heard before, and I love it. Mm-hmm. It's like when they say when you have a baby, like to bring the nurses chocolate or cookies yes. or something, just yes. because then you'll get attention faster. Yes, you will. Yeah, <laughs> I believe that. I believe it. Well, that's the end of our podcast today, Secret Squad, and I'm sure you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Oh, thank you. I had a blast, too. It's just been wonderful. And I hope you'll come back. Yes, of course. Thank you, Secret Squad, for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.